0: Okay, I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy, because it upsets me when you're not happy. I've found in my life it's better to be happy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard. We're glad you're here. And we've got another thing we're going to do here before we get going into the message. Uh, Once a month, we take up the least of these offerings. That's... uh, it was actually supposed to be last week and the staff just absolutely forgot it, so sorry. So this morning we're going to receive the least of these offering. The least of these offering is an offering we take up once a month and it just goes, uh, and the staff's heart on this is we want, to, we want to receive one offering a month where 100% of it just goes to being a friend of Campbellsville. We just want to, we want to bless the poor, we want to bless the needy, especially single moms and people who are just in desperate places. And uh, what we're going to do this month is we're going to we're going to put this we're going to partner with a ministry that's already going on in Campbellsville. A lot of you guys have probably heard of like uh, the Crisis Relief Center and Green River Ministries. Well, we're going to partner with those guys. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Green River Ministries actually has um, a shelter for the homeless in Campbellsville. Now, I know this sounds strange. You wouldn't think rural Kentucky, Mayberry Taylor County like this would have homeless, but yes, in fact, it's true. There are people who fall on desperate times. And in, in the process of, of being desperate, they end up homeless. And one of the things they do is they take them in and they give them three or four days. And they give them, you know, a food, food to eat, a place to stay, a warm shower, and, a, and just a chance to get their head on straight and to figure out what the next step is. So 100% of today's offering is going to be given to them. And we're, we're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to end up buying, um, we're going to end up buy, get, buying shampoo and soap and deodorant and toothpaste, and cleaning supplies, and food, and microwavable stuff, for basically for this homeless shelter portion of Green River Ministries. That's what all of this offering is going to go to. All right? So guys, you can take that up. Father, would you bless it. God, would you bless it in Jesus' name. Awesome. <clears throat> I can tell it's fall break because all of our regulars are here, and I don't know any of the rest of you. It's so funny. Uh, everybody's traveling. That's good. Um, last night, we, um, we've been doing Saturday Night Church for a month now, and part of Saturday Night Church is that I, I don't speak on Saturday nights. We have, we have a revolving team of speakers and worship leaders because we want to raise up new speakers, new worship leaders. Uh, one, of the, one of my main visions here at the Vineyard is that the Vineyard isn't a place where Adam does everything, it's just the Vineyard is a place where Adam's part of a much larger team. And so we're building that team. And we're building it through Saturday nights. Uh, anyway, Andrew spoke last night. He had a really good message. And one of the great things about Saturday night is because it's a little bit smaller and it's a little bit more informal, if you can imagine that. Uh, this is, this is, Sunday morning is kind of formal for us. This is kind of up, we're uptight. Um, but Saturday night is even more informal. And in the process of being more informal, it gives us a chance to do the stuff rather than just hear about the stuff. Uh, to put it in in regular vineyard terms we call it lab and not lecture and so last night we had we had lab time last night and we've been we've been doing a four-week series just on moving in the prophetic moving in prophetic ministry and and basically starting prophetic uh, the prophetic gifting in your own life and so we've been teaching that and last night we we played this little game i want to tell you that this really doesn't have anything to do with my my message it's just a good funny story so at the end of Andrew's message, he, he breaks us up into, I forget, what was it like three groups or something? And there's about six people in each group, and he gives us an envelope, okay, a sealed envelope, and in the envelope is a name, and he says, well, I just want you guys to, to just pray, ask the Lord, get words, and then someone write down the prophetic words that you get, and it'll be for that person who's in there. So we don't know who we're prophesying to, we're just asking the Lord, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you give us, would you give us visions? Would you drop little pictures into our mind? And of course... We all did and I was leading a group and this happens to be really funny. Um, I'm writing things down and because I'm mostly focusing on writing things down that everyone else is getting, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really paying attention so much or trying to focus so much on getting a word because these guys are keeping me busy. But while I'm writing something down, I just all of a sudden get a picture of a guitar and the Lord says, this person is really anointed in music, okay? And then I open it up and it's me. It was really funny. I just prophesied to myself. I wrote them all down here. It was was hilarious. And all the other words were really great too, but that one made me laugh. I'm like, how does that work? Go, Andrew. You sneaky guy. Awesome. That was something new, you know? Never had that before. All right, here's what I want to do this morning. If you want to turn to John chapter 14, we we are looking again at a few verses. We're going to talk about, about, this morning we're going to talk about um, experiencing God. We're going to talk about encountering God and how to do that. Uh, Three weeks ago, uh, I began this impromptu series. I didn't even know I was starting a series. It's just the Lord won't let me move, so it's a series. We'll call it a series. We'll call it a plan. But three weeks ago, I just began to share with the church that, that one of the things that's happened in the American church in the North American church, and specifically the North American church in the South, um, it's, it's a plague in the North American church. It's a plague, especially in the North American church of the South, is that we've, we, have, we have separated information about God from experience with the God, okay? So what I mean by that is this, is we, we, have, um, we have created a, a mindset or an ideology or a system. I don't like that word, but it's the only one I've got right now. We've created a system where we can know facts about God apart from an actual encounter and an experience of that God. And in the process of not encountering Him, what we end up doing is we end up telling the world, well, I know Him, but I haven't encountered Him. We don't ever say, I've never encountered Him. We just say, I know Him. But all we really know is we know facts about Him. It's like this. It's like, it's like I, know, I know that Barack Obama is a smoker. I know that Barack Obama likes to shoot basketball. I know that Barack Obama is the first African-American president. I know Barack Obama. No, that's ridiculous. I know facts about Barack Obama. And apart from sitting down and developing a relationship with him over dinner and hanging out with his family, I really don't know Barack Obama. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? This is, this is really the, the way that we've related to the Lord for a long time in the American church. It's a plague. There's nothing biblical about it. There's there's no place in the scripture where God ever intended people to know things about him apart from an encounter that informed what they know. Okay? And so one of the things that's happened is we relate to the book. You know, it's Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And and what ends up happening in that kind of relationship is, you know, I read the book for information rather than reading the book for an encounter that transforms me at the center of who I am forever. That was three weeks ago. And um, two weeks ago, I'm on my, I'm on my giant lawnmower. I have a, our family has a giant, we actually have two giant lawnmowers. Uh, my father-in-law bought two enormous lawnmowers that the whole neighborhood uses. <laughs> he's just a generous guy. We, we have two giant Kubota six-foot deck diesel mowers. We, we can mow 12 feet at a time at 12 miles an hour. Like you can't even run as fast as we can mow. And so it's because we mow acres. We mow acres of land. You think you have a yard? You don't know anything. You come to my house, we'll show you the yard, okay? Like, we mow what most people cut for hay. Like, it's just no big deal, you know. We mow like eight and a half, nine acres a week. Anyway, two weeks ago, so I gave this message, you know, about, gosh, we can't be people who just know informational facts about God like he's a scientific experiment apart from the experience of who he is. So about two weeks ago, I'm on my giant Kubota. I'm just blasting through the grass. And I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just, I, I'm not thinking about anything. You know, the, the hum of the mower is in my ears and I'm just kind of dead to the world, you know. Just, mm. And while I'm out there, the Holy Spirit just comes to me on the mower and he says, hey, you, you, you told the church that we need to be people who encounter the Lord, but you didn't tell them how to encounter the Lord. So last week we talked about, how to begin to encounter the Lord, and I want to I want to pick that up, and I want to take it just one tiny step more. The Lord won't let me off of this, and we're probably going to talk about this again next week as well, because because um, this is essential to life in Christ. Let's look at uh, just two verses to begin with, okay? John chapter fourteen. We're going to look at verses ten and eleven. This is absolutely huge. Um, And we'll give you a little bit of background here. John chapter 14 sits in a a larger discourse. It starts in John chapter 13, goes to the end of John chapter 17. This is the last week of Jesus' life. This is the Last Supper. Everything is slowed down. And so Jesus is just, He's beginning, these are some of Jesus' final words before He's crucified. And so people tend to concentrate and get serious when they know they're about to die. Jesus knows He's about to be put to death and He's hanging out with His friends. He's just washed their feet. It's somber last words, okay? Jesus says, To Philip and the guys, because Philip said, you know, hey, show us the Father, that'll be enough for me. And Jesus says this, he says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own, rather, it is the Father in me, the Father living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So here's the deal. It's the first thing I want us to notice. We we talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanna I wanna go over it again because it's such a big concept. See, Jesus and the Father had a dynamic union. There there was a dynamic union between between the Son and the Father. It, it was so dynamic that if you were to be around Jesus, it was like being around the Father. Uh, it goes like this. If you wanted to know what the Father was like, well, you just look at Jesus, you know, it, and it wasn't just true when the disciples were hanging out with Jesus, but it's actually still true. The main way that we know what the Father is like, it's Hebrews chapter 1. It's, it's to look at the Son. Hebrews chapter 1 says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And so if you want to know what the Father is like, if you want to know what Father in heaven is like, just look at Jesus, at Jesus. Just read the Gospels. See what he's like. See how he encounters people. See how he responds to people. See how he meets needs. See how he takes people in. That's what the Father is like. They had this dynamic union. And the, and the reason they had dynamic union, this is where it gets mystical and spiritual. The reason they had this dynamic union is, is, is chapter, uh, chapter 14, verse 10. He says Jesus says to his guys, he says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? and the words i say to you they're not just my own rather it is the father living in me who is doing his work so they have this dynamic relationship this dynamic union and the reason they have union is because the father is in jesus and jesus is in the father it's dynamic it's spirit it's it's mystical it's it's the essence of the christian life how many of you have ever how many of you have ever had a had a super close friendship or, or a spouse, or a loved one, and you had such a such a union with them, such a friendship, and such a relationship that you could finish their thoughts and you could finish their sentences. You might have that. Yeah, if you don't, God, just every, everybody needs a friend like that. You know, me, me and Petey—that's how—and Petey and Glenn—that's that, how it is. <clears throat> yeah, that's the kind of relationship that Jesus had with His Father, only more. It, it's union. The Father was in Jesus, and Jesus was in the Father. Um, they had such a union that it was like, this is the way I like to explain it. It's like harmony, okay? You know, when, when a singer is singing melody, and then, and then like the background vocalist or the second vocalist begins to sing the harmony with them, the melody leads the way, and the harmony rises and falls depending upon where the melody goes. That's how Jesus and the Father were. The Father is singing lead, and Jesus is just singing perfect harmony. He rises and He falls with the Father everywhere He goes. And they make one sound. It's that kind of union. It was dynamic union. And it comes from the fact that, that Jesus had the Father on the inside, and at the same time, somehow, Jesus was in the Father. <clears throat> it was an intimate, internal connection. And so it was, um, it was it was this intimate, internal connection that allowed Jesus to put the opinion of the Father on full display. Let me say it like this. It was Jesus' internal reality. It was the internal reality of the Father living in Jesus that made it possible for Jesus' public demonstration of the Father, who the Father was to be so dynamic and so powerful. See, intimate, internal realities will eventually become external realities. Internal realities become external realities. It was Jesus' revelation and knowledge of the Father's heart. Not only that, but it was Jesus' submission to the Father's will. You know, here's the deal. Jesus Jesus never did anything on his own. In John chapter 5, he says, I only do what I see my Father doing. Jesus was fully submitted to the Father. This This is crazy. He's just singing harmony with the Father, you know. He's not on the lead. He's just singing in harmony. It's not just that Jesus had an intimate, internal connection to the Father. It was that Jesus was fully submitted to the Father's way of doing things. Here's what I want to say. There's something about submission to the Father that will get you further than just revelation alone. Like, revelation's only a doorway into what God's doing. Without submission, that's another barrier. And so Jesus had, had, an, had an open door of revelation in his life. But it wasn't just that. He had, he had a further door of revelation that was open based upon the submission that he had in his life. And there's something about a submitted heart that attracts the attention of the Lord. Um, some of you in the room have a desire to know God more. You have a desire to encounter the Lord. Um, That's what we're talking about this morning. How do we encounter the Lord? How do we have an experience with the Lord beyond just head knowledge and information? Beyond just Bible trivia? How do we have, how do we have that connection with the Lord? One of the main connecting points with the Lord is to, is to be aware of the internal reality that exists. But beyond being aware of the external realities, internal realities, it is having a submitted heart toward the Lord. Submission attracts the eye of the Lord. This is what it says in Psalm 138. It says, it says, the Lord sits on high. I think, do we have that one? I think we do. It says, this is what Psalm 138.6 says. It says, the Lord is on high. He looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. There's something about submission. There's something about humility. There's something about being in a low place that attracts the eye of the Lord. Yeah. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. He knows at a distance. Some of of you guys who are Southerners think that the Lord knows the proud in a fire. Hang with me, you'll get it later. Bring the far, Lord. So it was Jesus' revelation of the Father's heart that came from his internal connection, but it wasn't just that, it was his submission to it. Submission brings us into contact with the Lord. You see, Jesus didn't follow his own path. But Jesus was sent on mission. And, and this is one of the things that really always gets to me about the Lord is that, is that Jesus really is the model for life. I mean, we say that a lot of times. We give that some lip service. Um, for, the, for the most part, few of us really enter into the dynamic reality of what that means. When, when we say that Jesus is the model for life, what we're really getting at is that this is how you live life, how Jesus lived life, That's is how you live life. Jesus lived in submission to the Father, so his, his path wasn't the one that he chose. It was the one the Father chose, and he was on mission. And so from that place, Jesus looks at his disciples in Matthew 28 and says, hey, go out, go out into all the world, you know? One of the things I love about the Lord, especially one of the things I love about Jesus, is, is that he's, he never asks us to do something that he isn't willing to do and hasn't already done, you know? He's just always he's on mission. He's like, why am I on mission? Well, I'm on mission because I'm being sent by the dude who was on mission before me, you know? And it comes from this internal reality, finding its way out, and it comes from being submitted to the Lord. <clears throat> so Jesus is the model, and this is this is what it means when Jesus is the model. Uh, there's one point in in the Gospels where uh, Jesus. Jesus forgives somebody's sins and everyone, all the religious rulers, they get really upset about this. They're like, dude, you, you can't forgive sins. No one can do that with God alone. He gets, everyone gets really upset with him. Jesus does it anyway. He says, well, you know, if you guys are upset about that, I'll just speak to you in the language you can understand. Just get up and walk, take your mat and go home. A few, few chapters later, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey guys, if you forgive someone, they're forgiven. However, if you don't forgive someone, they're not forgiven. What's the point? The point is, Jesus is modeling for us life. He was sent on mission. He sends us on mission. Jesus forgave sins. He calls us to forgive sins. Jesus worked in power. He calls us to work in power. In Luke chapter 9, he sends his 12 disciples out on, out on a mission into the, into the cities and villages surrounding. They come back, and, and they've, they've kicked demons out of people. They've healed the sick, and they've preached the good news. They come back all excited. This is after Jesus has been doing the same things. The next chapter, Luke chapter ten, he sends not he doesn't send twelve out; he sends seventy two out to do the same kind of thing. There's this there's this there's this thing of wherever the Lord wherever the Lord Jesus has been, he ends up taking his disciples. And one of the one of the main ways we get there is by is by living in the same internal reality that Jesus has in his own life. Here's what I want to do. Let's look at verses ten and eleven together again and then we're going to look at we're going to compare those with a couple other verses I want to read these again because I want to I want this to be fresh for us all at the at the same moment 10 and 11 Jesus says, Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Now let's look at verse 17, same chapter. Yeah, this is Jesus and he's talking to his disciples. He says, The world cannot accept Him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be where? In you. Let's look at verse 20. And on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What's Jesus getting at here? Have you guys noticed that that, that verses 10 and 11 are strangely... Really similar to verses 17 and 20. Everybody connected with that? What's he really getting at here? Here's what he's saying. Jesus is saying, my internal dynamic is that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. I have an internal connection to the Father. He is always with me. My internal relationship with who the Father is is what, is what allows my external ministry to be so dynamic. But it's not just, it's not just for me. It's actually the dynamic in the realm that you are going to live in. He says, I'm not just going to give you a spirit to be with you. I'm going to give you a spirit to be in you. I'm not just going to go on that day. I'm not just going to go with you, but I'm going to be in you. And not just that, but my Father is going to be in you. We did this last week, but I want to do it again. Look at verse 20. It says, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father. So Jesus is in the Father, okay? And you are in me. If you are in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, where are you? In the Father. And I am in you. Okay, if Jesus is in you, who else is with you? The Father. You have Father, you have Son, and you have Holy Spirit on the inside. You have Father, you have Son, and you have Holy Spirit on the inside. All the time. And it's this dynamic that leads us to external demonstration. Here's the deal, though. It only leads us to external demonstration to the extent that we are aware of the fact that we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my computer ha- was having problems, and Bobby the Genius fixed my computer for me. And in the process of fixing my computer, he put a new operating system on my computer. And when he put a new operating system on my computer, it has all these new potentials. Like, like I kept accidentally finding things out about my computer. You know, like it has a time machine on it now, and it, I, mean, I don't—they really call it a time machine, but it has a time machine on it now, and it has this thing called Spaces, and I can like have. I can have four desktops, I can have ten desktops, I can can do anything I want. And so I'm in this, for the last two weeks, I've been constantly discovering all these new features about my computer. And here's the deal. If I don't live a lifestyle of discovery, it doesn't matter what's on the operating system, it doesn't matter how many features are on the operating system, apart from me living a lifestyle of discovery, those features and those potentials are dead to me. And so... One of the things we talked about last week and one of the things I want to reemphasize this week is we have Father, we have Son, we have Holy Spirit living on the inside. He is on the inside of us right now. On the day that you gave your life to Jesus, on the day that you submitted to the Lord, on the day you said, I trust Jesus to be... To, be, to, to satisfy the Father's wrath over my life. On the day that you made that exchange, someone took up residence. It was three someones. They took up residence on the inside. And even though at times it feels like God is a million miles away, He's actually not at all. He's actually dwelling on the inside of you. And to the extent that we're aware of this intimate internal fellowship, this dynamic that's going on even right now, is the extent to which our external ministry will either be dynam- dynamic and fruitful or boring and non-existent. So what's the point? The, the point is this. It's really sim- simple. We have got to become aware of the spirit that's all around us and that is inside of us. We, we, have, to, we have to unlock a God consciousness. I love what Chris Valentin says. He says, I've got a spirit God. You know, I love that. I know it sounds all like New Age. I love it, man. I'm like, that's so true, man. I've got a spirit God. He's the Holy Spirit and he lives inside of me. You know, And we've got to, we've got to become aware of this, of this dynamic spirit that's been put inside of us. You know, if we were to be cut open and all of our guts were to be spilled out on the table, you know, the doctor and the surgeon may just see guts and liver, but there's more in there than guts and liver. There's more on the inside. There's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. And we we need to develop an awareness of His presence. We need to develop an awareness of His presence. I want to go back to verse 10. He says... Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. I want, to, I want you to un- see a couple of things. The interior reality sets the table for external possibilities. But here's the other thing I want you to notice. In verse 10, I want you to underline the words um, where Jesus says, He's talking about His Father here. He says, the words I say to you are not just my own. If they're not just His own, whose words are they? They're the Father's words, okay? Can we see that? Verse 10, I want you to underline the words, okay? Because those words are the Father's words. But look at, look at the end of verse 10. The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. So here's what ends up happening. What begins as words ends up as work. Can we see that? What begins as words will eventually end up as work. What begins as a word from God ends up being a dynamic external experience of God, a dynamic external display of who God is. And this is one of the things I want to talk about this morning. This is really the only nugget I have. Not only do we have to become aware of His presence that's on the inside of us all the time, but we have to begin to tune the the ears of our spirit to the Father's words. He's living on the inside of us. Jesus says, the words I'm telling you, they're not just my own. I heard them from the Father. And these words I hear end up becoming... The works that I do. So what begins as a word ends as a work. There's a word for that in theology. It's called incarnation. The beginning of, of the Gospel of John, it says, Jesus was the word. God incarnated something in Jesus. When it begins as a word and it ends as a work, That's a a theological principle. It's called incarnation. And one of the things the Lord wants to do is He wants to incarnate something even still. One of the things He wants to do is He wants to speak to people. He wants us to be aware of His presence. He wants to be attuned to His voice. He wants to speak to you. And in the process of speaking to you, He wants to empower you to put on full display the word that He speaks to you. In that moment, you become become a partner in incarnation. He wants to flesh something out. I'm gonna take a drink. You can think about that. I have dry mouth this morning. <clears throat> Here's one of the crazy things about being a human being. And anybody here ever feel crazy, like totally nuts? I'm about to explain to you why you feel crazy sometimes. See, sometimes I feel completely flipping nuts. <clears throat> So if you've been sort of asleep, I want you to wake up because I'm about to explain a huge part of your life right now, okay? <clears throat> There's a reason you feel nuts sometimes, okay? It's, 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 it's part of being a human. See, here's the deal. As a created human being, when God created humanity, he made something completely different, and he made something that was unique in all of the world. Um, everything he called good, but when he made man, he was like, man, this is very good. Okay, human beings, we're, we're made out of flesh, and in that regard, we're just like everything else in the animal kingdom. So we, we, have, a, we have a physical body. We have a, we have a physical reality. Uh, you know, you punch me in the face, it hurts. I'll probably punch you back in the face because I'm like that. <clears throat> but anyway, so we have this, this physical body. But it's not just that we have a physical body. It's that God put a spirit inside of us. He, 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 he formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he it's, Genesis says he breathed the breath of life, and that word breath, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's it's the word for spirit. In the New Testament, it's pneuma, it's breath, it's life, it's spirit. So we have this we have this physical body feels pain, it has emotions, but then we have this we have this living inside of our physical body. We have this we have spirit on the inside, and so when as a human being, when you're walking around, you're not just You're not just a physical body that will one day come to an end, but you are an eternal spirit that will go on forever, okay? And so sometimes, here's what's happening. You are, every day, you are experiencing, you're experiencing both the physical realm and the unseen spiritual realm at the same time. And so sometimes when you feel crazy in the morning, it's because everything that you feel is not just based upon what you can touch, taste, and see. There is an unseen realm that is having an effect on your body, and you're having an effect on unseen realms, Makes sense? Okay? This is why redemption is such a big deal. Because when you get redeemed, it's not, just, it's not just that you're not going to hell anymore. It's that heaven came to dwell on the inside in the person of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He has come to put you on mission. And it's, in, it's incredibly important that we become aware of presence, we become aware of that spirit, and we become aware of His voice. Because in 1410, the words become works. Everybody feel better now? It's not your fault. I mean, crazy is just part of the equation, okay? So here's the deal, guys. We have the actual... Here's the deal. We actually have the same operating system as Jesus running on the inside right now. We We have the exact same operating system. We have the exact same internal hardware structure that the Lord Jesus had when he was on the planet. So what's the difference in results? The only difference in results is our awareness of presence and our ability to hear his voice. Okay? And one of the reasons that we are unaware of presence and that we're unaw- unable to hear his voice, hear the Father's voice in the same way that Jesus did is because we haven't we haven't put space in our life to tune ourselves to the presence that's on the inside, around us, and the voice that is currently speaking, um, I just want to tell you guys something. Modern life, um, the pace and the schedule that most of us keep, is not a pace and a schedule for maintaining a, a God awareness. It is a, it is a pace and a schedule that will rob your God awareness. And one of the, this is one of the reasons that God takes Sabbath so crazy seriously. Okay, um, you know, Sabbath is not Sabbath is not like. Um, just not going to your regular job. Sabbath, Sabbath is having having a day every single week when we when we have union with God and we say, God, I'm just open to you, you know? Because there's something about the daily grind that will actually grind your awareness of His presence and it will grind your voice, His voice right out of your brain. <clears throat> Trust me, I know something about this. Heather and I have three kids and they all play soccer on three different fields i mean you know we, we do soccer five nights a week you know three or four weeks into this it's like where's the lord you know we love our kids but it's like where is the lord and, and so we we have to like we have to as fathers and mothers one of the things i want to tell you is you have to battle and and maintain your schedule as, as young people who are looking to go and do things you have to battle and maintain a schedule you know It's not just about becoming extra-religious and making sure that you read through the Bible in a year. It's about maintaining a space where I can have a heart connection, where I can stay connected to the fact that God lives on the inside of me and He's currently speaking right now because He wants to turn words into works. Got to battle for that. It's a big deal. Here's what I wanted to get to this morning when it comes to maintaining awareness of His presence, especially when it comes to maintaining an awareness of His voice. The voice of the Lord... Contrary to what most of us believe in the room and have have grown up seeing and and being taught, the voice of the Lord is not loud. It's quiet. Subtle. Um, The voice of the Lord comes most usually subtly. It's most usually a nudge. It's it's most usually quiet. It's a whisper. Uh, How many of you guys remember the story in the Old Testament when... Uh, when Elijah, the prophet, he had just uh, called fire down from heaven and they killed all the prophets of Baal. And Jezebel says, you know, Elijah the prophet, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah freaks out and he runs to a cave in Mount Horeb. And he's totally complaining and he's freaking out. And the Lord says, well, just go stand in front of the cave and, I, and I'm going I'm to pass by in front of you. And, and the scripture says that, that a mighty wind blew in front of the cave, but there, that wasn't the Lord. And then it says an earthquake but that wasn't the Lord, and then it said, and then fire, but that wasn't the Lord, and then it says, how was the Lord? A gentle whisper. This is one of the things we need to real about, realize when we when it comes to uh, developing um, our, our senses, our spiritual senses, and our spiritual awareness of the voice of the Lord. It's almost always a whisper. Almost always, it's subtle. And so one of the things we need to do is we need to we need to find that spot in our life when we, can, when we can quiet ourselves and begin to listen for the gentle nudge from the Lord. It's nuanced. I've been walking along with the Lord for like, seems like my whole life. But I've been doing ministry now for like, 15 years. And in the process of doing ministry for 15 years, I've become more aware that what I need is, I need increased awareness of His presence, and I and I really need, I need to hear His voice. Like, I, I don't need it less than I used to, I need it more than I used to. And one of the other things I realized um, in the process of just hearing the Lord, having seasons where I hear the Lord a lot, and then having seasons where I, it seems like He's not speaking, one of the things I realized is, the, the voice of the Lord is almost always gentle and and it's a whisper. And I have recently begun to realize part of the reason that the Lord whispers to us, one of the reasons that He whispers to us is because He wants to take us on journey, okay? And so a lot of times, the Lord will whisper something and He prefers to whisper and not shout because whisper will lead to journey, okay? And, and um, whisper... Whisper is where the, the true heart of intimacy is. Like my wife and I, we get, when, when we're in bed at night and we're and we're just chatting, you know, we're just whispering, it's like, that's when we're really connecting. It's like the most intimate things I ever say to my wife are, are whispered and they're not shouted. And there's something about the Lord, he would rather whisper his heart. Uh, not only that, but when, when the Lord whispers and when it requires, um, so here's the thing about a whisper. A, a whisper requires our full attention. See, the, the, the Lord doesn't want, he doesn't want to, to have a people, uh, he, he wants to have a people who are, who are aware that he's around and who are, who are focused on him. Like when, when I'm having a conversation with somebody and, and there's, when we're just whispering to one another, it, it requires full attention from both of us. And in that process of full attention, the intimacy goes deeper. Not only that, but when the, when the Lord whispers something, it, 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 it takes us on a journey. Like, a lot of times what gets whispered is, is it's smaller. It's not, a, it's not as much. It's not as, not as big a thing. And, and so one of the things the Lord wants to do is he's, he's trying to take us on faith journey, okay? Um, and this is one of the things that people miss in the Lord a lot of times is what we think, well, you know, to get into heaven or to know the Lord requires faith at the beginning, but somehow he's going to do something and won't take faith anymore. No, listen, all of our interactions with God take faith. The faith that got you in will be the faith that keeps you going and so he he whispers he just whispers like a little something and and i've noticed this over 15 years especially that he he almost he he hardly the lord's only shouted at me metaphorically speaking he's only shouted at me a couple times he's almost always whispering just a little nudge here and there a little impression a little thought something i know that's not my own and it and it, it causes me to focus on him and to say god what are you saying and, and our intimacy goes deeper and he gives me a little something else and our intimacy goes deeper and our intimacy goes deeper um, so we have to we have to create that space where we can where we can listen for him where we can where we can listen and know know his heart <clears throat> like um, last week if you weren't here the Lord was just incredibly here I don't even know how to describe it like we have a theology that says, you know, God is everywhere all the time. But for whatever reason, I've experienced in my life, sometimes He's more here than others. Other times, the Lord was dynamically here last week. And when I got up to preach, you know, we do the four-minute dance party, and I'm just kind of goofing off and putting my thing on, and I'm kind of shaking my booty a little bit. But while I'm shaking my booty, I'm putting on my on my microphone, and about the time I put the microphone on, I felt three little pops in my ear. Doop, doop, doop. was that I mean it was so small it was so quiet and it was so nuanced and hardly even there that the temptation is just to write that off and go that was nothing but I didn't and so while I'm fooling around and shaking my booty I said Lord is that you and and immediately immediately the the most gentle and quiet whisper comes back and goes yeah it's me I said what was that about he goes I want to touch some people's left ear okay so at the end I give Give a word. Anybody here got a left for Europe messed up? Right away, three people's hands go up. See, it's, it's about, and that's not, that's not saying I'm a superstar. That's not what it's about at all. It's, it's, to, it's to point out that most of the time, the dynamic working of the Spirit is quiet. Like, it, it's easily ignorable. It's so ignorable. Like, God's speaking to you all the time. He's on the inside. It's one of the reasons that he doesn't have to shout, because he isn't far away. I'll let you think about that while I take another drink. So, developing an awareness of his presence and developing an awareness of his voice, it comes from being able to dial back and to tune in to the subtle nudges and the subtle voice of the Lord. He's not in the hurricane. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wildfire. He's in the whisper. This goes right along with some major kingdom principles, okay? Generally speaking, generally speaking, things in the kingdom of heaven start small. I'm going to share some stuff with you right now that could change your life, okay? Generally speaking, Things in the kingdom begin small, but it doesn't just stay there. Generally speaking, things in the kingdom of heaven start small, and they grow. Okay, this is this is something that's all through the scripture. This is a, this is a big time kingdom deal. So, for the most part, things in the kingdom begin small, but they grow. Some examples of this: Jesus is telling parables, and when, one during one of his parables, he says. Hey, don't you guys know that if you've got faith as big as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed in the garden, that that mustard seed, you will put it in the ground and it will grow and it will develop and it will become the largest plant in the garden and birds will nest in it. Now, Jesus is telling, he's telling his disciples a lot of things there. But one of the things he's telling us is this. He's keying us in. He says, hey, guys, in the kingdom of heaven, it starts small and then it grows. What's this about? This is about tuning into the small voice of the Lord. See, here's the deal. If we'll just, if we'll tune into the small voice of the Lord, see, He will teach us, He will teach us how He speaks, and pretty much, pretty soon, the small voice of the Lord begins to amplify. See, what begins small will amplify over time. Not only that, not only that, but um, there's another, there's another, um, there's another point in the scripture where Jesus is telling another parable, and he, He says, well, there's this, there's this king, and he and he handed out talents to his to his servants, and says he gave you know one guy one, he gave another guy five, and he gave another guy ten. He came back, and most of the guys had, had doubled theirs, but another guy just went and buried his. And when he came back, he says, "Well, bring me the guys who have who have done well." And, and he brings them over, and he goes, "Man, well done, good and faithful servant. You know you've been you've been I put you in charge of ten talents. Now I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. What's the point? The point is this." that, that so there's something about being faithful with a little thing that leads to increase, even, even just in the natural, just, just natural faithfulness. You know, 10 talents. The Lord gives 10 talents. Being naturally faithful with that, it, it brings increase. You go from 5 to 10, from 10 to 20. And then what ends up happening is, on top of that, the father speaks his favor. And, and this is crazy. A guy who had just been faithful with a, a certain sum of money now is in charge of cities. Doesn't that seem ridiculous? It's crazy, but this is how the kingdom of heaven works. So it starts small. Something about responding to it in faithfulness, it grows that up to being something bigger. Well, how about this? This is this is how committed the Lord is to small things growing big. When Jesus, when um when the father rather, when the father decided that he wanted to redeem humanity from the pit, he decided I'll send my son and he sent him as a baby in a manger. See, like Jesus came as a—he came as a small package, you know, as Ricky Bobby says, the eight-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus. <clears throat> the eight-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, like the, this kingdom of heaven thing about small things becoming bigger, and and so Jesus, Jesus was pooping in his diaper for a couple, three years. You don't normally think of that, do we? You know that you know that hymn, that, the little hymn that song we sing at Christmas time. You know Jesus is in the manger and he doesn't cry. That hymn's that that hymn's a total lie. Like oh, we won't even let our kids sing it because it's just not even true. It's like this is not. I'm just joking. I'm just being <laughs> ridiculous. But it's just it's a total lie. You're like Jesus cried. he's messed his diaper. You know, his eight pound eight ounce baby Jesus. He nursed at his mom's breast. He grew up. When he was 12 years old, he learned how to be a carpenter. And we were laughing about this the other day. And at staff meeting, uh, before Jesus started his ministry, when Jesus started his ministry, he had more employable skills than most pastors. You know, he could at least build something. Uh, we, we've decided at the venue, we can't get this done yet. We don't know how we're going to do this, but one day, we've decided that everyone who graduates with a pastoral ministries degree should have to go to vocational school for two years and learn how to be an electrician. So at least you're as qualified as Jesus, you know? <clears throat> Just putting that out there. <clears throat> See I can landscape. You guys fire me, I'm okay. I can landscape. I know how to dig holes. You can't get rid of me that easy. Paycheck means nothing to me. But there's something there's something about like the little things that grow. I want to tie it back to what we've been talking to in terms of being increasingly aware of the still, the small, and the gentle voice of the Lord. Um, see, some of us in the room right now, and this is okay, this is this is condemnation-free zone, okay? So if you start feeling condemnation, it's not from me, it's from the devil. But some of us in the room right now, we don't have a great awareness of the Lord. Like, um, we're only occasionally aware of the Lord. Like, uh, maybe some of us in the room are only occasionally experiencing the Lord perhaps when we have a meeting like we had here last week, when it's just like abundantly prominent that like, you know, king of glory is in the house. And, and so some of us just have that kind of awareness right now. Uh, we're, we're really only aware of the Lord when it's like abundantly obvious, when people are weeping around us and some people are falling in the floor. Okay, it's kind of what happened last week. And so we go, wow, I think God, I, you know, put our coffee down for, like I think God is here, you know. And so some of us, some of us have that kind of awareness. That's okay. You know what, that's a, that's a very small awareness. What we need to do is, we just need to thank the Lord for that awareness and we need to begin to ask Him for more. There's something about taking the little thing, you know, it starts small and it'll grow bigger. Some of us, um, some of us have a, an awareness of the Lord and awareness of His voice that's a little bit bigger than that. You know, it's not just that if the meeting is super good that we're aware that God is around, but just like any time worship is on, and it doesn't even have to be the band, but just like you, you, you become really aware of the Lord in worship. Anybody like that? I, I am. Like, if worship's on, I can almost always just stop and just, if I close my eyes even for a second, I can become aware of the Lord. Some of us have that kind of awareness of the Lord, but like, you know, if the music goes off, it's like, well, dude, where's the donuts, you know? <clears throat> but then but then the, but here's here's the point the point is this that with attention and focus and faithfulness of of the of the presence that we currently have and even the awareness that we currently have beginning to take that and give it to the lord he will add to that more okay and i've really this is something the lord's really taken me on journey i've been telling you guys about this for the last six months i want, I want to tell you about this again I'm, same story but it's just it's been rocking my world um if you guys were to come and hang out with me during my prayer life you would be really shocked at how little prayer, praying the pastor does because most of my prayer life in my office is I just shut the door and and I, I just I, I, there's nothing on it's just absolute quiet I just close my eyes put my hand out I'm in my little my little black office chair and I just I just let it get quiet I just I love you Lord and, and accidentally about four three or four months ago I began to realize that my body was responding to every time I would just pray that I love you, Lord. And it took me a while to figure this out, but it occurred to me about two months into this thing that all that's happening is I would I would feel this, this flutter on the inside, like right here in the pit of my stomach, just come up and it would go all through my body and it was so quiet. It was so, so still. It was so quiet. But what I realized after two months of this is that every time I just began to say, God, I love you, that the Spirit on the inside of me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father was recognizing that. He was saying, I love you too. And it was just like running through my body, Okay. Now, the more I've done that, I've, I've begun to develop an awareness of His presence and an awareness of His voice that even if it's totally chaotic and I have God forbid I have to go to Walmart and I'm pushing the cart, you know, and everyone's screaming and they're pushing their cart into mine and, and like, you know, some, some hellion that doesn't belong to me is like freaking out and asking his mom for, a, you know, for frozen treats or whatever and, you know, ah! you know, one of those kids. Like, even in the midst of that, I can, I can stop, and I can just stop my cart, even right there, and I can become aware of his presence. And it's only become, because I was faithful to a little thing, and I've practiced it, and, and now I can go almost anywhere and just instantly become aware of the Lord is here. Like, I may not become aware of his plan or what he wants to do, but I can become aware of his presence, and his voice to me has gone way up. Start small, grows into something bigger. We'll go back to Elijah for one more thing. One of the things I want you to... You need to go read this. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. But one of the things about Elijah's experience in 1 Kings chapter 19 is that when he encountered the Lord and the Lord says, I'm not in the, I'm not in the whirlwind, I'm not in the earthquake, I'm not in the fire, but I'm, I'm in... Is this still a small voice? I want you to realize this. Elijah was coming to the end of his prophetic ministry, okay? Uh, right after that, the Lord says, Hey, I want you to go to thus and such a place and I want you to anoint Elisha. Okay, what's the point? The point is this, that Elijah was a mighty man of God and a mighty prophet and he had served the Lord his entire life and it's like toward the end of his life, the Lord has to come to him and say, hey, I'm not in the fire, I'm not in the earthquake and I'm not in the, I'm not in the wind but I'm in the still small voice. What's the point? The point is this, that Elijah had spent his entire life serving the Lord, being unaware that the, that the voice of the Lord is most often quiet. Okay? What does that mean? What that means is this. If we, if we never become, if we never, if in our walk with the Lord, if we never become more aware of God during the quiet moment than the loud and explosive moment, what we end up doing is we end up training our ear and we end up training our spirit to only be aware of God in the most dynamic and in the most loud and in the most dramatic encounters that have the most spiritual volume. And what that ends up doing is this it ends up damaging us in the long run. It's like this. Um, some of you guys have iPods, okay? You get your iPod, you put your earbuds in, and you, you, know, you, you pull up Rob Zombie death metal, and you turn it up to like, you turn the volume up all the way to the top, because Rob Zombie death metal sounds better with the volume turned all the way up, okay? And you listen to it, and you listen to it for hours, and the volume like sparks an emotional response. See, I, I like volume, okay? I love volume, especially in music. Give it to me loud. I want, I want to feel the kick, you know. But you listen to Rob Zombie Death Metal at full volume for a little while, no big deal, okay? You get the kick, you get the energy, it's like awesome. But if you develop a lifestyle of only being able to feed the emotional response from listening to Rob Zombie Death Metal at full volume, you will eventually what? Damage your ears. And in the process of damaging your ears, the first thing that goes is high frequencies. And those are like the... Those are some of the quiet ones. And here's the other thing. I, I don't just like hard rock at full volume. But see, I like, I, like, I like piano jazz. You guys ever listen to piano jazz on NPR? Marilyn McPartland? You know, uh, it sounds like she just smoked like 97 cigarettes before the, uh, this is Marilyn McPartland, it's piano jazz. I mean, the woman could die at any moment. I adore it. Last night, it was incredible. That show was so good, I couldn't even believe it. I sat in my driveway and listened for like 10 more minutes. See, I like piano jazz. I don't just like I don't just like hard rock at full volume. I like piano jazz. And if I only listen to hard rock at full volume with my earbuds in, if I do that for very long, what it ends up doing, it eventually damages my ears and it and it diminishes my ability to hear and appreciate piano jazz. Gets even worse than that. If you continue in that way, we're developing an awareness in that direction. It takes more volume to get the same response. So you damage your ears and it actually in the, in the long run will take more volume to get the same kind of response. You know, and that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for an emotional response. So it ends up taking more volume so we need, the, we need the music to be louder and the louder the music is the more damage that happens and pretty soon, see, here's the other thing. I don't just like piano jazz. I like Beethoven and Bach. I like the Four Seasons. I like to go to the symphony and, and here's, the, here's what happens. The more that we press into needing more volume to get the same emotional response, we get more damage and the more damage we get you know you could go to the symphony and you could end up missing out on like the really quiet woodwinds and they're the most i think they're the most beautiful i think when those passages like have you you guys ever been to the symphony if you haven't you absolutely must go okay when that when the orchestra is like really big and then it comes down and then there's like there's like a flute one flute and it's playing it's and it's barely it's just so quiet it's like it's so beautiful what's the point well, the analog here is this. You know, if the only thing we do, if, if knowing God, experiencing God, hearing God's voice, if we train ourselves to only know, hear, and experience in the loud and the dynamic, most spiritual volume moments, we, we will eventually damage our hearing, and we, what we end up doing is we, we disallow ourselves from learning His still, small voice, which is actually the most common. With me? We must develop an internal dialogue. We must be able to be aware of His presence and hear His voice when it's quiet. Because words become the work. It goes from internal to external. If you read the Gospels, I've only found two dramatic experiences with the voice of the Lord in Jesus' life. When Jesus was baptized, He was put in the water, and when He came out, it says, the heavens were ripped open and the voice of his father says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Okay? Dynamic, loud volume, everyone, like John the Baptist is like, you know, he's taking a step back. Everyone is aware of it. Uh, about a year and a half later, Jesus is up with his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes three of his disciples up there. There's such a moment that all three of the disciples are seeing what's happening in the spirit and they're hearing what's happening and they get so excited that Peter's like, dude, we are going to build little huts. We're going to, we are, like, we are not going to let go of this moment. Like, Moses you, and Elijah, you guys are, st- I'm building you a house. And it's such, such a, you know, such a problem that, the vo- that God in heaven had to say, you know, Peter, knock it off. Like, seriously, knock it off. But those are the only two experiences that we see that Jesus had where, where the spiritual volume, if we can put it that way, was dynamic to the point that everyone else in the room heard it. The rest of Jesus' ministry, which was day by day just powerful the rest of it was john chapter 5 verse 20 i only do what i see my father doing i only say what i hear my my father saying he had he had tied into the to the still small voice and the quiet essence of who the lord is amen amen all right all right here's what i want to do this morning Let's just stand up. I think the Lord wants to inaugurate us into a greater awareness of His presence.